Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Guys, my guest today is an up-and-comer in the marketing world, and he is making some waves. I am pleased to announce and introduce to you guys the owner and founder of TheMarketingHunters.com, Mr. Ruben Alvarez. Ruben, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to do this episode. I I, I feel like um, you know we were talking a little bit before this, but there's going to be some some really crazy stuff in this episode. I can feel it. <laughs> well, all right. So let's get on to the crazy. I mean, yeah, and I, I I try and look out for red flags and uh, run them over as quickly as I can. But uh, no, tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, you've got this uh, you've got this wonderful little marketing agency that's making some serious headway. Uh, the Marketing Hunters. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about that, and let's uh, let's dig into the history of Ruben, man. Yeah, so the the company itself, um, the biggest thing is that when we started it, I, I knew um, I, I worked with my wife, and me and her started it, and she was working with me at our prior job for about mm-hmm. five years, and I was like, dude, she's she's very she was being undervalued, right? Like she wasn't being put to her full potential. And it was, uh, we were like in a manufacturing company. And I was like, if she, if somebody like were to just push her like all the way and like, yeah. we were just to be able to use, you know, the, the talents that she has, um, people would be impressed. Like that this could be something really, really good for her. So I kept pushing her. I was like, dude, you should start your own business, but she's not the, the type of person that wants to start her own business. So I was like, all right, we'll do it together. <laughs> and, um, what ended up happening is I just started with this like massive belief of like, Hey, you know, when it comes to, um, social media, when it comes to graphic, when it comes to making you and your business look good, we can do it better than anybody else. Right. right on. Yeah. And, um, and it was on this core belief of like, I, I have someone very special that I can tell this is exactly what it is. And then they create it based on that. Right. And, um, as time went on, like we started getting customers and, you know, we broke uh, six figures, I think within eight or nine months. And, and it was important to me to break within like, you know, the first 12 months, six figures, because as you know, like what is it? 90%, 80% or something like that, um, of businesses fail within the first year. And then out of those, no, they never even reach like a six figure income. It's mostly just that, that one person solopreneur type of, uh, yeah, it's it's a hard number to hit uh, the first time you hit it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it takes a lot of organization and commitment and, uh, and dedication to go from a regular W-2 paycheck to actually breaking six figures, even in revenue, never mind in profit, just in revenue. Yeah. It's, it's a big deal. You know, you've got to be looking at pulling in eight to nine grand a month consistently every month. And that takes a little bit of uh, sweat equity, it takes a little bit of labor and a little bit of uh, investment in yourself. So, uh, so well done. <clears throat> yeah. And then no. one of the big things too, is yeah. I, I, it takes a lot of confidence, right? Like, oh, yeah. Because, because you're either going to be selling um, a ton of product at a small price, or you can sell less product at a larger price. And the higher the price goes, the more confidence you have to be to have mm-hmm. in yourself. And what's funny is I never thought of this until we got a sales manager, but now we, we have a sales manager and some salespeople. We never did deposits or half up front on any of the products that we were selling. Mm-hmm. It was all up front. So if, if you had a $4,000 website, everybody was paying me a front. Oh, wow. 
yeah. <laughs> well, that would certainly solve some cash flow issues. I mean, exactly. <laughs> you know, we've got we've got larger budget projects going on around the media foundry. You know, twenty and thirty thousand dollar videos and stuff coming out. And uh, I never thought once to make them pay up front. I always let them pay it out over time. So uh, maybe I'll I didn't take... know any better. You know, when you're in business, it's you you do what um what feels right to you. And to me, I'm like, you know, I I don't think I trust a lot of people yet, and not a lot of people trust yeah. me. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to either. It's like that old adage, right? Like you either sell or you're gonna be sold it's one or the other and i think that i just i didn't know that that was an option for a lot of people <laughs> so you've before you you know convinced your wife to spread her wings and partner up in a marketing business what's your background man how did you how did you get to this point where you know you knew you could go sell marketing yeah so we were um the the business before the one that me and her were she was there for five years i was there for about nine years okay it was, it was a manufacturing company Mm-hmm. And um, I started at that manufacturing company because uh, I told my wife I was tired. I, I started in culinary, right? Well, even before that, I started in Subway. I went to another manufacturing company that my dad worked at, and I was like, um, they're bushings for cars, and I was just cutting the the excess off as like uh-huh. you know a repetitive worker. Yeah, a, bu- um, a bushing then, trimmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, and don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've never heard it that way. It well, don't nug shit. I mean, we we all like myself included. I I would be willing to bet that the majority of us have had seriously mundane factory jobs. Mine yeah. was uh, mine was turning pigs inside out. So wow. you know, I worked at the largest meat processing plant in the country for for quite a while when I was a little teenager. So don't knock yeah. the uh, the manufacturing shit. But, I mean, <laughs> but you you know what's funny is that one as repetitive as it was, and as much as like I had to wake up super early um, because it was in San Clemente, we were in Lake Elsinore. If anybody who doesn't live in California, it's basically like a forty five minute drive over a a hill that like you can just fall off at any point um so that job even though i was waking up early had to do the commute every day and then the commute back i i hated subway more and the reason (laughs) that i hated subway more is because i i don't know if anybody's ever worked like at at one of those places but the one that i worked at the the sandwich shop right the 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 sandwich sandwich shop. shop okay yeah they were so particular about like five olives, like only a handful of lettuce, like, and if people asked for anything extra, like it was only like two olives or something like that. Right. And there was a long line out the door. There was like seven to 10 people. And I just started slamming sandwiches out. Right. Mm-hmm. And they got me in trouble. They're like, it's only five olives. If you can't listen, like we're going to like dock your pay. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like that, that's what really pissed me off. So um, I just, I wanted like small freedoms from work. Right. So I went to the right, manufacturing yeah. one day, at least let me kind of do my own thing, but there were still rules to follow. And then from there, I went to like culinary school. Um, I had a few uh, jobs, but you know, I, I tell everybody um, I want, I like food and I like eating. I don't like cooking. And I didn't know the difference when I went mm-hmm. into culinary school. Um, so I had a few jobs. I worked like at the Google cafe, not, not directly for Google, but under like another company that manages that. And uh-huh. um, eventually I just had enough. And so I told my, my girlfriend, who's my wife now, uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, I'm, I'm tired of this. I want to go work in some sort of an office job, something where I'm probably going to get paid more and I'm going to get to sit down. Like, it just makes sense. You know, <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly what happened to me. I mean, you get tired of doing the manual labor, you get tired of doing the manufacturing. And, and for me, it was studying, uh, it was studying in the evenings, um, and getting into, getting into qualifications from, from studying at night, um, that got me from manual labor and factory mm-hmm. jobs to sitting in a chair at a desk you know i mean there's a 
Was there a trigger point for you that said, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur and own my own business? Or was it more like, hey, I just need out of this shitty situation I'm in. Let me climb up and find a better job. Yeah. So um, from from that job, the Google one, I went to that manufacturing company and I stayed there for eight years. Mm -hmm. And um, my thought was I, I scaled all the way up to, I believe when he sold it, um, I scaled all the way up to 78,000 a year. Okay. And, and I was 27 or 28 at the time. And my goal was to make over like 120 by age 30. I mean, that's hopefully a, by then, that's a pretty that? secure, that's a pretty secure salary for a 26, yeah. 27 year old. I mean, that's, that's not yeah. bad living at that age. But, but I, of course I wanted more, right? Like I was like, I want, I want to be a partner in the business or something like that. Or I want like, I don't know, so, something, something that, that made more sense to me where I could go to 200,000, make 500, whatever. And, um, I was the only person I could deal with the owner because he, he got uh, rid of sales managers left and right. He went through like seven sales managers within a period of six months, I believe at one point. Oh, wow. In and out the door. Yeah. Cause he was, he was just very particular, very old school seventies mentality type of thing. Right. So I put up with a lot of like the verbal abuse, the hip, just having him rant to me, tell me that I'm not doing good enough and everything. And then he sells a company at age 20, 28. It was uh, April of 2019 is when he sold the business. Uh-huh. And at that, that was the point because I, I had been listening to all the self-help the, the, you know, I was reading 50 books a year when I was under him and, um, he sells the business and I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm going to become a millionaire under, cause it got sold to like an Italian conglomerate. I'm like that there's a lot of stagnation at that point, right? Like you're going to lose your uh -huh. job. We're never going to fire you type of mentality. So when I got to that point, um, I hired a coach and the coach wanted me to start a business just as a write-off. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was like, I don't like doing things that seem disgenuous, not, not real. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, why would I start a business just for write-offs? It doesn't make sense to me. And, <laughs> and so he's like, if you start a business and you do write-offs and you write off what you just paid me, you'll get that money back at the end of the year. He's like, look, I, I made you your money back. Isn't that great? And I was like, no, that that's, that's like, okay. Like the money's gone. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I never expected the money to come back, but, um, I took his <laughs> advice. We made a list of like a company that I could start to make some write-offs. And then I, I saw social media management. I was like, yeah, I could do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, within like a month or two after we started, I was like, I can do so much more than social media. Like she knows how to do websites. We know how to do graphics. We know how to do, um, what's it called? The, the SEO we've worked on like email campaigns and we're just like, okay, we'll, we'll pretty much just turn it into an agency, like a full on agency type of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much where the, the business idea came from. Just knowing that, um, it, it took a little push. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like anybody who's listening, like you hear these great stories or just like, I just had a bit. No, I was, I was scared out of my <laughs> mind. I was like, I don't, I'm not a businessman. I've never started a business. Like why would people give me money? But again, I think you have to kind of go in with, with that, like, I don't know any better type of mentality. Right, right. And um, if you're like, why would people give me money? It's like, because I'm going to charge them. If you just go in with that and it's like, well, let me just charge people and see what happens. Like you, you tend to do pretty good. Well, there's, that, there's always that little voice of doubt in the back of your head. No matter how many uh, websites you've made or no matter <clears throat> how many businesses you've helped to build or no matter how many clients you've helped to lose weight, you know, there's always that little voice of doubt that says, am I really ready to go out and do this on my own? Mm -hmm. How did you get around that? Um, so like I said, I, I truly just believe in the back of my mind that we were the best at what we did. Right. And up until recently, um, I, like I said, I haven't, I haven't been selling as much lately. Right. Mm -hmm. my, my, I kind of leave that up to my sales guy, but, um, I, I was on a podcast with somebody else and, um, he reshifted me back to that same mentality that I started. Right. And I've, I've realized 
that there is no purpose in anyone believing if they have a business that they are nothing less than the best. Right. Like if somebody were to ask you like, Oh, Hey, like why would I, what I would be with you. And if your answer isn't like, Oh, it's because we're the best. It's like, well, we're one of the best, right? Well, we're, we're striving <laughs> to become one of the best. Does you no good. But if you truly just went in with the mentality of like, Hey, we are the best. And if you don't believe that because of something you, you fix that. Mm-hmm. And then you start believing it. And that was, that was the big key determining factors. I just truly believed, you know, we started, we started the brand of, of um, in for the kill and we started getting customers. And then we put up a website for like what we did and everything and everything just screamed like high end quality. Um, you know, I started working uh, with uh, who was it that like, there was a, the first conference that I went to, I met a dude named DJ Thielen and I just went up to him and I like related with him and it was all like confidence, the same thing. But I just told him, Hey, like what you said in your story, like that actually relates with me. And um, he's like, yeah, man, um, you know, text me. And sure enough, I just texted him and I was like, started a relationship with him. And he calls me out of the blue one day and he's like, Hey, Elena Cardone, um, after the conference, she needs somebody to video and her videographer's not, not going to be there and stuff. Do you want to do it? Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, can you do it? And my, again, doubts, right? Like, Oh my God, like this is a high end person. Like, can I do it? Should I do it? Like, can I, if I mess up, like, will this ruin me? But again, you just, yeah, let's do it. We'll but what's it the worst that can happen? Like yeah. she's and, gone from, um, she's gone from no cameraman to cameraman. I mean, exactly. that's like, there's no loss here for you. Like none at all. <laughs> you, know, exactly. you might as well seize that opportunity and go get it. And um, it was just a weird experience, right? Cause we show up and, and we were, we're expecting, you know, just let's say level a type of stuff. And I don't know if you know who Marisol Nichols is from Riverdale, the show Riverdale. Um, we show up to her house and we have no idea that, that, that it's her. She opens the door and we're like, what, what is going on? Right. Um, but again, it just, it just falls into, are you confident enough in that situation? Right. Like if, if we start being like, Oh my God, what, what is going on? And it derails us and everything. We forget to check the settings of the camera and stuff, but we were, we were so focused at the time of we have to give the best of this moment with what we have. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I thought back to that thing that you said, where it's like, she went from no cameraman to cameraman. Yeah. And I was like, that, that that's good right now. Now we have to kind of exceed that. Right. Because she's expecting video, but can we give her something that's like really, really good. And so that's what we focused on. And a lot of the times, all those situations that came up, people would be like, well, well why am I going to pay you? Even, even to this day, right. You have people that are like, Oh, I can find your service cheaper on fiber. Yeah. And my response to it is, I, I'm not going to work with you. You brought up Fiverr. And they're going to be like, well, why? And I'm like, because if if you know Fiverr and you took this call, you either really need my service or you're just trying to mess with me at this point. <laughs> and and I don't and I don't like that. Right. No, like, it's, and I just it's so made a, true. Yeah. I just made a decision I, to call those people out because most of the times we we try to they try to derail us, like I said. Right. To where it's like, I can find your service cheaper. And then it's like, well, tell me what your USP or your unique selling proposition is, right? And then you have to be like, oh, well, we do this, this, and this. And in reality, they don't care. They're still trying to just, you know, bang you on price. Right, right. Well, the, so, the, the way to overcome that objection is to sell the value, mm-hmm. surely. So, I mean, yeah, I, we, we swim in similar streams, mate. I mean, I've got, a, uh, <laughs> I've got a media company myself. Now, we don't do full service, and that's purely because the amount of people 
like you're talking about that you run into saying, well, I can get this cheaper here. I can get this cheaper here. And we do strictly now. I mean, we, we'll build a website here and there if it's a, a friend of a friend deal, but it, it's not good for business. It's not the most profitable thing we can spend our time doing. So we are 99% focused on, on video and video creation only. And that allows us to have one unique selling point. Mm-hmm. Um, to keep focusing on that and provide best-in-class video content for whatever specific industry we're focused on at the time. And, you know, the the charge of people running up saying, well, I can get this cheaper, I can get this cheaper, I tell them any fool with a camera can make a video. The skill set is making the video convey the message and turning the message into a call to action and achieve the results that you're looking for. And that generally sells around it. Um, but how do you how do you fight off those guys that are coming at you for, for low bids? Or is that someone you just completely cut out of your ecosystem altogether? So I, I do I do cut them out, right? Like I just um I try to make an example mm-hmm. of what just happened, right? Because to me, I used to, I used to go around it, but I found that most of the people that I do end up working with like that, they end up coming back for something else and then be like, can you do this for cheaper? I brought you business again and mm-hmm. type of stuff. So now I just make an example of them. I said, I won't work with you. I'm sorry. You said the one word, right? For me, it's Fiverr. <laughs> honestly, like, like if they say anything else, like I'm usually good. If they say Fiverr, I'm like, you said the one word that, that I don't like hearing. And for that reason, like, I won't work with you because if, if you come to me, that means you've heard of me. You've seen my work. You've seen everything mm-hmm. else. I like that attitude. Yeah. Price. Yeah. So it's like, you know what you're doing. I don't like it. I'm not going to work with you. Right. Um, but I, I am like, I want to say that I am a few steps behind you in what I'm doing as well, because um, one of the biggest things in business, right. Is you start off with something, you don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. but you slowly start making it smaller and smaller, like niching down. But for yeah. me, it's not so much niching down. It's basically getting the, the products and the services and making them and condensing them into the thing that I was meant to do. And um, we did start off in the beginning as, as full service. And you're right. It is an absolute headache. And nobody listens. <laughs> and, you know, like I'm going to do everything but, and I'm going to do it for right. everyone. And I need to get business in it. Jacked but, it with cash. Right. But then you've got to every single task that you perform has to have a process tree. Like yes. it has to have an operating procedure so that, um, you know, there's no point you being super talented at building all this stuff. And then when you try and hire staff, you've got 15 different processes that you're selling and trying to do at once. And when I learned this was during COVID, because we started as a niched-in video company um, with clients in the transportation industry. We like trucks. Like, we're boys. We like 18-wheelers and things that make noise and smoke, and we like trucks. So it started out filming trucks years and years ago for our own pleasure, and it just evolved into us niching into the transportation industry. Well, when that all shut down, when COVID came, we're like, all right, what other skill sets have we got? And that's when we went into, we can make your logos, we can do your websites, we can do blog posts for you, we can do social media management, social media posting, because we were trying so hard to bring business in the door. And the failure there was spreading out over all these damn niches and trying to be everything to everybody and once i recognized that and dialed it back in i said no we're just going to focus on what we want to do which is pure video production and it's just been night and day different because all of our time is spent on either acquiring video production clients or producing videos 
you know, and now I'm not messing with, oh, shit, i got to build three websites out next week. For <laughs> You know, the, the profit margins on things are different. So we want to focus on what we get the most return on investment for our time yes. for, which is creating video and letting other folks do the websites, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny how much faster the clients come as mm-hmm. well. Right, because um, when you when you're known for one thing, it allows the person who you just work for to recommend you for that to someone else. Right, correct. But but the confusion comes when you're trying to do pretty much everything, and um, that that's that's pretty much what happened with us, right? Like eventually, we just had to to find what are people asking for us, mm-hmm. and the big revelation came at some point where it's like. People to me were were saying like I I don't need you to do the work I just need you to tell me what I'm doing wrong. And in the uh-huh. beginning I was like, well, you know I don't want to charge you for that because it doesn't seem like I <laughs> it doesn't seem like I I have enough to tell you right like Dude, one, the one same hour person? we're gonna be done. <laughs> and so I think that we we kind of lie to ourselves right where we're mm-hmm. like hey you know what the what we have is not as important as what we make it out to be. But it goes back to that confidence, right? Like if you have something that's only five minutes long, mm-hmm. but it can make somebody hundreds of thousands of dollars and you're like, why I can't charge somebody $2,000 for five minutes. It's like, well, sure you can, but you, you have can. to know that it's actually going to benefit them. Well, it's like the old, the, the story of the old guy that walks into the manufacturing plant after the shutdown and, and hits one bolt with a hammer and gets it running again and, and charges $10,000. And he, he says, you know, you're only in here a minute. And the, the fellow says, well, yeah, but you paid me for the 30 years experience that it took to know which bolt to hit with the hammer. And what I find, uh, again, similar to you, is as people start to ask for consulting more and more and more from me, it's very difficult not to just give that away. Yes. Very difficult because... As, as I consult with clients and I come in and I sit down and I'm really the, the, the guy, um, again, on the consulting side, I, I will help bridge the gap between uh, the vision of the marketing team and the actual videographer. Because like anybody can point a camera at stuff and get good results. It's, it's is there a crafted message? So that's, that's really where I come in on the consultation side. Yeah. And some of the questions I ask, people have never even, they've never even considered um, you know, the, the avatar, the, the perfect client, none of it. They, they never consider. Is that something you find as well that's a common theme over there? Um, so I, I, I have my, my own thing, right? And part of, part of the whole brand discovery and everything, because um, my, my big thing is not so much like hundreds of thousands of followers. It's like getting people to actually interact with you, know you, mm-hmm. and then like start seeing you over and over, start yes. interacting with you. Right? Yes. So like a really, a real true, like identity, whether it's online or offline. And, um, I, I, the, the very first question, which to me seems very basic, right. And it's same thing that you said, it's like, it just blows people's mind. Um, I tell them what three words describe you, because to, to me, like when you say brand, everybody knows the the whole definition of brand is not what you say. It's what other people say in the room. There right? you go. Mm-hmm. But I told them like, okay, well, what if that person that's like, who, who is this person or who is their brand? What if instead they go, I don't have time. Tell me who they are in three words. 
I'm like, oh, that's that's difficult, right? Like now you have to really think like what only three words are going to describe me or are going to describe my company. Mm-hmm. So I tell people like, think of the three words and they're like, well, I got two. And I'm like, well, think of the third one. And some people take like two weeks just, just <laughs> trying to really pinpoint that, that like, what do I stand for? Right? That's, that's because so few companies are actually run on core values. They, they don't seem to put any weight behind actually sticking a, a flag in the ground and drawing a line in the sand and saying, right, this is who we are. This is what we stand for. This is acceptable. This is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And they just they haven't been through that exercise. And I, I think it's not from from lack of willingness. I think it's ignorance of the fact that it exists. Yeah. And and I follow it up with and this is why typically it takes them a long time too. Um, the three words that you pick are the ones that you're going to have to live up to. So they're mm-hmm. writing their, their words really quick. And then they're like, crap, never mind. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I want to. And, and it's, it's a very strange position. I think that we put people in to look so deeply inward to, to a place where they're not used to going. Right. Because we, we may meditate and stuff like that. We may say like, like, who am I? Right. And then you're trying to find yourself and through your meditation, but you never saying like, what, what can I classify myself as if it were only to be three words? What, what would I classify myself as? And when you go that deep inward, you have to think, well, I like this word, but why do I like this word? And it's like, <laughs> well, then you present a thesaurus to them and they're like, wow, I never knew there was 20 different ways of saying this one thing, right? So it, it opens up a lot. It opens up a lot to every single person. Well, I think one of the biggest reasons that people fail to be introspective um, is because there's, there's whole swathes of multiple generations as well that have all been taught that it's uh, it's a little bit of hippie shit. And <laughs> the, the further down the journey I go, I keep thinking, well, maybe the hippies were right. You know, yeah. I'm I'm a little bit older than you. In fact, quite a bit older than you. Um, but for the first thirty, no. <laughs> for the first thirty nine years of my life, I got it wrong. Living like what the perception of the alpha male in in society mm. is as as I was raised was. So an alpha male in 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 British society is somebody that can hold his drink and out drink his buddies. He's somebody that can out fight oh. his buddies. He's like, um, it's it's not like it's not like the alpha males you see now on the internet. Um, it was very much you don't show emotion, you keep a stiff upper lip, and you don't dig into these emotional issues, and you don't ask, hey, why am I here? What am I doing? Who am I trying to talk to? Who am I trying to attract to become clients? And I think that because of the stigma that goes around this this introspective work and this, this kind of self-reflection, um, I think a lot of business owners are missing out. And I wish I could just reach back and be like, hey, come on, guys, go do this hippie shit with me for a little bit, mm-hmm. and you will actually figure out where you need to go. Do you find that the majority of your potential clients haven't done this kind of work? I, I do. I do. So um, my my client avatar, just to be completely upfront with everybody, right, is anybody who's making about $100,000 to $500,000 um, over the age 30. Um, I wouldn't say, I, I forgot what word I put, but it's basically somebody who has um, self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think there's something else. I forgot what it is. But basically, th- those are the core things, right? Because I feel like it, once you get over... 500,000 a year, right? Mm-hmm. You really have no self-doubt anymore. You have self-doubt maybe in your image, I mean, right? You, you, you don't have self-doubt in yourself. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, maybe. I don't know. 
I might, I, might have to, I might have to disagree with that because the, the thing is, at, at half a million dollars a year, when you're hanging out in the pub with your mates, yeah, no self-doubt at all. But when you walk into a private club full of millionaires and billionaires, self-doubt's right back up there, you see. So, I don't know. I'm going to put a, put a pin in that one and think about it. But I, well, I, I, I'd be more than willing to bet that there's seven-figure guys listening to this podcast that still have self-doubt and still don't know and still get in these rooms and they just think, shit, I shouldn't belong here. I'd be willing to bet that, man. Well, that's why, that's why as, as the marketer that I am, I like putting stuff out there to see if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> hey, I've been wrong before. I'm just, this is my opinion. You know, I'm just, yeah. I just think no, I, that, I, I don't think I, imposter syndrome ever goes away. I don't think it does. The, the, because when you're the biggest guy in the room, you're golden. But half a million dollars a year, and you're just an insignificant little pleb in, in, in the next room up. And then, mm. boom, imposter syndrome all over again. So for me, it's who, who you're around. If you're with the guys in the pub making half a million dollars a year, you've got the biggest dick in the room and everything's great. But when, when you step into that bigger room uh, with your half a million dollars a year, you can get laughed out of the conversation. So uh, imposter syndrome is very real. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a good way to, to bridge the gap, especially for me, right? Because uh, I believe that you're only able to see as far as you've kind of, yeah, I think you can see like two steps up. Right. But it's really hard to see anything above that. And I think with, um, you being in business for as long as you have, I think you have that ability to see what I have not. Oh man. <laughs> the, the most painful thing is, is, is having had the half million dollar a year income and slightly above and then, and then losing it owing to you know, alcoholism and stupidity. So, um, but that's a, that's a story for another podcast. This podcast is, uh, this podcast is about you, mate. It's not about me. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I like the way that we were going too with, um, you know, what, what traditional avenues we had before of, what success was and what being a man and everything too. Right. Because up until recently, like even for myself, I, um, I learned that I'm very, um, audio centric. Mm -hmm. So like if there's too many noises going on and stuff that I, I don't do well and I tend to shut down, I tend to like get really upset at people and tell people like get out of the office, things like that. But because of that, um, I don't know if you've heard like the, the, what is it? The audio sounds like releasing chakras and things like that, that are yeah, certain, yeah, like, yeah. hurts yeah. and everything. Yeah. And at first I was like, you know, that that's not for me. And when I realized that, you know, I'm so centered around my ears on everything, I'm like, maybe that might be for me. And I've noticed some benefits to being able to, to, to tune myself in a better way. Right. Because my mentality is if we have, you know, certain smell, like, you know, we do aromatherapy, peppermint and, mm -hmm. and lavender and everything like triggers your brain in a certain way. I'm like, why wouldn't audio do the same thing for you? But it's, it's through taking the time to really being able to, to take those ideas, right. Of who you are getting to know yourself. And again, it just goes back to people not doing that. So it's like a lot of the times we know what would work for us, whether it's food or something like that, right. You put something in and you realize, well, that didn't make me feel good. Right. But it's the same thing for marketing, right? Like you, you put something out there and you're like, that did not do well. Most people just go, okay, well, let me put out the same shit tomorrow. It's like, well, it didn't do well again. And, and they never learn, right? So it's like, eventually you have to stop doing the same thing and see like, okay, look, I posted a picture of me smiling, looking directly into the camera, boom, four times more engagement than it normally does. I put out an ad that used the word you more than it talked about the actual product. It did really well. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like when you start looking at those patterns, that's where you're able to kind of just start improving on the things that you're doing. But until you actually pick up on those patterns and not just start posting the same thing that you would in one place to the other and accepting it as a failure because you don't have time, that's when you actually grow past your past your old self. Dude, I like that. Let's let's stay in that vein. Uh, let's stay in that vein for a minute, Ruben, if we can, mate. Because yeah. um, you know, I like the listeners to get some value out of the show. Um, and of course, yeah, I would say a vast majority of my audience does have their own business. So with you being the marketing expert, I'm going to defer to you. As you come in and start working with a client, what are the most common marketing mistakes that you see? And what are the ways that you can go about fixing them? The most common mistakes is that everybody believes that just because they run ads, people will give a damn about their business. <laughs> oh goodness, that's a painful one. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry for laughing, audience, especially for those of you that are just running ads, thinking it's going to work. I'm sorry for laughing. That is, that's what I've seen time and again. Let's go a yeah. little deeper on that, man. Yeah, it's um, we're we're experiencing shifts in marketing and advertising at all points in time, right? Like we went from radio to TV to internet and um, believe it or not, like I've been seeing this more and the more that I rationalize it, it it does seem like this is what the next big thing is going to be is that there really are no more brands per se. And the brands are the people, right? So Mm -hmm. like we have a lot of like influencer based marketing and stuff like that. And relationships yeah relationships perceived relationships perceived relationships deeper because like Like, before this call yeah we look at wendy's right like wendy's is is the best person that you they have a real person just slamming other people behind uh the the twitter feed and then we all love them because Mm -hmm. of it and it gets the most attention out of any other you know like mcdonald's like i I rarely see people talking about them as much as they do and when they do they have to do some sort of a gimmick like a like a fan meal right which now they're on their fourth one and nobody cares about it anymore so it's like (laughs) it, it dies out very quickly and um, that that's just pretty much where, where we're at. And it's like most of these businesses, they try to come in and it's like product or we know that, that um, you know, Zuckerberg and, and all these other places, they don't want to promote your stuff for free. So when you do a, a post, let's say on any platform and you say something like DM me or, you know, comment this at the bottom or you're giving people something that they know is going to give them the ability to promote them something, your post automatically dies, mm-hmm. right? But like as, as a marketer and as somebody who kind of like understands people, if you just get somebody to talk to you in one post, just because you don't ask for anything, just because you're, you're smart, because you're, you know, you give them some sort of a value, you make them laugh, you entertain them, whatever it is. Once you get them to interact with the very first post, they're probably going to interact again with other ones. As long as you actually start a conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's your funnel. Yep. You got to make them feel engaged. No, we're, we're on the exact same page. And um, it shocks me that, like, you know, marketing and advertising have moved so fast over the last 10 years that you know, we've all got phones in our hands. And now the first time anybody sees or hears about or interacts with any particular company or product, I would, I would wager 90% of the time that's on a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn as marketers to understand the psychology of why people buy. And we have to back into that by why are they on the internet? What are they looking for? Um, what do we provide them 
that gives them value that keeps them clicking on our stuff yeah. and most people now especially the kids that grew up with this shit because believe it or not kids born in 2000 are now old enough to drink so uh, mm -hmm. not sure how old that makes you feel but there's a whole generation in fact there's a two really because guys your age as well because when when did cell phones come about i was about 17 18 so ever since 98 cell phones have been affordable and popular and relatively common and not only have they changed the way we communicate but they changed the way we, we we interact as a people and i think that shit i've totally forgot what i was saying but i guess we can't edit that out um, Remind me where we were at. What time? What's minutes? Yeah, no, we, minutes. we were basically, um, it, it is true, right? Like we're so connected with a phone and a lot of the times we forget oh, what the whole purpose of like what we're doing is like with social media, right? I just remembered where I was at. So Kyle, yeah. Kyle, edit this out and put this shit in. So we really lose track of why people are looking at their phones and it boils down to they want to be entertained. They want to be educated and they want to be engaged. They want to have a way to feel like they're part of something else. And these kids have seen so many adverts in their entire lives that they're almost immune to advertising. And what they want is something that's relationship-based and authentic. And people in the advertising space are only just starting to catch on to that. Yep. And I, I think that's why the influencer stuff is, is going so well, because people aren't connecting with the brand. They're connecting with the influencer that they like that is using the brand in the video or using the brand in the photographs. Is that right? That is right. There's there's another piece to it, which is the whatever platform you're on um, basically wants to keep the user on there for as long as possible. Absolutely. So they reward the people that keep the user on that platform the longest because mm -hmm. it benefits them, right? Like there's no mm -hmm. other reason that LinkedIn or, or Instagram, TikTok, none of them, Facebook, none of them are going to keep or show your stuff longer than they need to if people aren't, aren't engaging. Correct. Yeah. So, couldn't agree more. Yeah. The, the problem that I see a lot of the times is like you can create a killer piece of content, never respond to any comment. And I'm like, <laughs> this is totally backwards, right? Like you have somebody that took the time and now you can actually, if even if they were asking you a question or not asking you a question, you ask them a question back. Now they come back to your, mm -hmm. your thing, which they already left. That's basically just showing the platform. Hey, people are engaging with this. They keep coming back to it. They're spending more and more time on this. I, I should keep showing this. I should well, keep promoting this. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's edge rank. It refreshes it refreshes that little timer there, and it shows it to ten more people every time there's a comment. That's that's how the God. I hate the word algorithm. It's how the AI behind it works. You know, yeah. um, I swear to God, dude. If I hear algorithm or geofencing in another coffee chat, I'm probably going to break the coffee table over their head. Uh, the algo, the good old algo. The algo. No, it's geofencing. <laughs> geofencing. Can you geofence? I'm like, God damn it! Shut up! I don't know where you read that. <laughs> but yes yeah, and, if you want we can geofence <laughs> yeah yeah well the, the other the other big thing is um most people right like if you're talking about like the the biggest mistakes um most people don't use the things that would allow them to grow organically mm -hmm. because they're afraid they don't understand it they don't want to use it right so tiktok was a big example back in the day like two three years ago um, everybody would know it's not going to survive. Trump's, uh, you know, banning it, all this stuff. Right. 
And what's funny is that I was on that train and it took me three months from when I first started hating it to it. I'm like, I got to swallow my words. I got to use it. If it does stay, it's a great opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I used it and I didn't like it. So I stopped, I grew from like zero to 4,000 followers, stopped using it. And at least I knew that I didn't like it. Now reels is around. I'm mm -hmm. using it. Yeah. And I'm, my highest one has been at like 23.4 thousand views or whatever. Oh, damn. Well um, done. You do, you do get real followers from it. You are able to say the stuff and you have a lot more engagement on there because you have people that have been following you for a while that are engaging with those first, right? Not like, not like TikTok. Now, now, now fill me in, fill me in for an ignorant old man. Does, does reels go to TikTok or TikTok go to reels or are they two separate platforms? two separate and they have their own rules i have a guy and he's absolutely wonderful and he's 21 years old and he lives breathes and swims in this shit he loves it and he handles the tiktok and he handles the instagram and i see the i see the stats um but honestly um the the it's not one of my critical tasks to understand tiktok versus Instagram, it's my critical task to read his synopsis and, and follow his judgment and somebody that's that's an expert in the space. So yeah, I'm I'm completely ignorant of of TikTok, for example. I know we've got some followers, I know we've got a channel. Um I don't even have the app on my phone. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Um what it depends on everybody's uh everybody's um what's it called? It depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? I'm I'm always very, very um blunt with people as to they're like, well, what kind of conversion can I get? And I'm like, look, if you're trying to get a conversion, then you probably need somebody that can make a funnel for you and that mm -hmm. can run ads. Yeah, that's right? the like, wrong, like that's said, the wrong like, conversation. We're not trying to do that. We're not yeah, with I, I for my for me, my big thing is I want to get my name known. I want to be a household yes, name. Yes. Right. Yes. So that's if if that's my only thing, I need to get a lot of impressions and I need to make sure that my thing gets seen over and over by the same people that I targeted the first time. Yep. Right. And so this month, the last 30 days, I'm at about 110,000 impressions on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Now I have another client who she, she's not as um, consistent with it. Right. Right. But um, with about four reels, her engagement went from 5,000 in a month to 12,000 in a month. Maybe it's just because I'm not attractive. How about that? <laughs> I'm looking at our dashboard right now uh, in Instagram. Actually, we reached uh, 10.2 thousand accounts last month on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And um, I've got about 500 followers just under, but every single one of them, I've only been working on the small business surgeon uh, Instagram account since uh, March. But every single one of our followers is an actual follower. I make sure mm -hmm. there's there's no robots. Every person fits the demographic. So it was like you were saying earlier, when you can pay for an audience or pay for followers and have, you know, ten thousand I could have ten thousand people following me on Instagram by the end of the week if I if I just toss money at it. The problem is none of them would engage and none of them would be clients. And I think a lot of business owners get caught up in the minutia of, I want 10,000 followers, I want 20,000 followers. 20,000 followers that don't buy anything are not worth anywhere near 200 followers that have all got your back and will send you business and will tag you in posts and will follow your shit, man. Um, and I don't know, I see that as a really common mistake when people come yes. up and they wanna build followings. You, you can't shortcut this. It has to be organic and it has to be targeted at the crowd that you're looking for. Yeah. It, it, you need to, you need to know what your voice is, right? <laughs> like that's, that's why people are going to follow you at the end of the day. And if you don't know, like if I ask anybody, why would someone follow you? Most people don't know what the answer to that is. 
And it's very difficult for them to be like, oh, well, you know, like I, I talk, you know, like, let's say podcasting, my podcast talks to small businesses. And I'm like, okay, well, how many people on Instagram do you think go on to listen to a podcast about small business when they just go straight to the podcast and like, well, yeah, but I want to be discovered. I'm like, well, that doesn't work that way. Like if most small business owners, if they are on Instagram, they're either going on there to just basically waste time or they're <laughs> going to be on a page that shows quotes or reels mm-hmm. that basically make them feel better. That's what we day. do, dude. We send out the quotes. We take quotes from the show. Um, we make them into reels. We, we change out the background. We add the words and people, people like them. They share them. Yes. You know, they don't have to turn the sound on. They can, if they want. Mm-hmm. And it's just motivational content for business owners. And the whole point of this show is to let business owners know that they're not alone. Because yeah. it's a very lonely world, and, and oftentimes you feel like, well, no one can do it as well as me, and just give it here, I'll get it done, and you carry all this weight on your shoulders, and the whole point of this show is for, for everybody to know that like we've all made the same mistakes, we're all yeah. swimming in the same stream, and we're all trying to hit the same results, whether it's whether it's 500,000 a year or 5 million a year, it's always the end result. The end result is I'm comfortable, I'm happy, my bills are paid, and I'm living my dream. And yeah. You know, I think people people lose sight of that way too easily. Yeah. Well, once once you know why people are doing what they do, it makes it easy, right? Like you know that people are going on there for that reason, so you tailored something to them, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas most people, they just want to say, "Well, here's here's a clip of the show, and let me put my picture, paste it on there, and then that's it." Like no subtitles, no nothing. But we know that most people never even turn on the sound when they're, right? like, they're at work. No, that's they why you're gonna have gone. subtitles. Yeah. I mean, that's why I pay a kid. Like, I literally yeah. pay a kid as a full-time employee, and he does nothing but podcast stuff and a little bit of, uh, of real estate social media for yeah. us. But he, his job is taking this content that we create, cutting it up, turning it into reels, pushing it out on Instagram, and building um, an audience. And in the, you know, in the two months since he started, we've added 300 like targeted people that all fit our ideal demographics. So I got yes. no complaints from him. Um, I would have liked 3,000, but hey, <laughs> no worries. So I wanted to touch on something real quick before um, before we wrap up. We've got we, we do have a little bit of time left. Um, I wanted to touch on something that you had said maybe 10 minutes ago before we got sidetracked on other stuff um, about people not wanting to put content out there and post content about themselves in order to create this likable character. What do you think it is that stops people just like going live on Facebook and saying, Hey guys, what's up? It's Ruben. I'm out here today doing this. Do you run across that a lot? Yeah, it's um, it's easier when like, cause I have a few people that I have in my my beta program right for for my brand um coaching, mm-hmm. and um, the main thing that I noticed from one guy right is I told him you have to do a story right like right now do a story or whatever, and he did it once and and he was about to post it and I'm like, are you happy with that? And he's like, not really. And I'm like, do it again. And then once I told him to do it again, he started doing it again, again, again. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's that initial step of one, I don't want to do it. And then once you do do it, you're just like, that's good enough. Like I did it, whatever. (laughs) Well, you know, they, they say, they say done is better than perfect. Yeah. yeah. But, but sometimes it's like, you know, by your standard, what you're happy with. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And most of the times we don't do it just because we're so insecure that we're just like, this, this is good enough, whatever. And then you post it out there and then you, you, you swipe up to look at your story and you're looking at yourself and you're like, God, I look ugly. Mm-hmm. I look horrible. Why did I post this? Right. And you're like second guessing yourself. So most of the times it's like, if you, if you're going to do a live, that first initial thought comes into your head and you're like, I'm going to do a live. And then the next one is why are you doing a live? Right. Like, what are you going to gain from this? <laughs> Who's going to listen? Nobody- Nobody's going to watch it. Yeah. Right? No, it's not going to do that good. You're going to look dumb. You've never done a live before. And, and we know that that the first time you do anything, it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. You know that people aren't used to it. Right. So like, especially in, in my situation, I've been doing a certain type of reel that's more voiceover. And today I did one that wasn't voiceover. That was just me talking to the audience. I expected it to do bad. I got to tell anybody who's listening right now, if you're listening right now, I still felt like shit knowing that people didn't watch it and that nobody liked it, but I knew that was going to happen <laughs> because it's different from what I'm doing. Yeah. So if you're, if you're like, I need to go on a Facebook live and you're like, it's going to do bad. And why am I even doing this? Yes, of course it's going to be do bad. Like, come on, that's, that's realistic expectation. Right. Mm-hmm. But you need to start doing it at some point. And if you never do it, then it's never going to grow. So it's like, you have to just go in with the idea of like, it might do bad, but if I reach one person, one person actually really enjoys this, that's actually better than no persons, right? That's better than zero. And I think we diminish the one person way too much. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, Um, I was sitting in a, I was sitting in a, a, a room the other week and a guy was talking on stage and he said, you know, too many people get caught up over putting out content and, oh, only three people liked it, why bother? Or only 10 people liked it, why bother? But when you swing that pendulum the other way and you say, well, shit, if, if, if 10 people were in a bus and it drove off a cliff and caught fire and they all died, that'd be a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And you're not giving the people watching you the same amount of credit. And... <clears throat> What happens, and this is speaking from experience, not from a book, is the growth curve is not linear. Um, It's exponential. And it takes longer to get from 10 fans to 100 fans than it takes to get from 100 fans to 200 fans. And from 200 fans to 500 fans is quicker than 10 fans to 100 fans. Because more people are listening, more people are sharing, more people are interacting, and you go from those shitty three likes and five view videos. And if you don't believe me, scroll back, like search back in my Facebook four years ago. Um, I had a Facebook memory pop up yesterday. I almost shared it. I had one comment and three views on a live video. Like, but I just kept going. Yeah. You know. Um, and I think if people could put that aside and say, you know what? I bring value regardless. If you're in a if you're sitting at a table full of millionaires, guarantee there's something that you know that they don't. You can keep your mouth shut and listen and bring value when it's time. Everybody mm-hmm. has value to bring, and that includes all the people that are thinking about getting on Facebook or getting on social media and adding value. There yeah. is a value for everyone, and I wish the business owners like could really see that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I will. I will give this other piece of advice. Um, you know, just like we were talking about before, where you were saying like the the whole thing of like seeking patterns and everything. Mm-hmm. So you you did it, and you know it's going to be wrong, but you did it to the best to where you're actually happy with it, right? And like mm-hmm. now, let's say that it did bad. Yeah, you have to ask yourself, did I did I do everything going back? Because you might be happy with it in the moment, but then like you look at it like 30 minutes later, and you're like. God damn it. In the back, there was a dirty laundry, <laughs> dirty laundry in the back. And I got, you know, and so the next oh, time, look yeah. in the back, you know, like yeah. look in the back, but yeah, it's, uh, you know what? 
I wasn't smiling in the beginning. I know mm-hmm. that people want to see me smile. I know they enjoy it. I didn't have my hair done, you know, things like that. You, you start picking up on things, but if you just keep putting out alive and alive and alive and alive, and, and you know, you're waking up five minutes before the thing and you know, you're, there's people talking in the background and everything like nobody's going to watch it, but it's like the more that you kind of just care about the thing yes. and you start learning from it, you'll see the pattern. You'll see why people would actually care. But it's, it's cumulative is, is, yes. the, is the point. You cannot just put one Facebook Live video up and be an expert at it. And everybody says to me, oh, you're so good. It's a natural ability. And I'm like, it's not. Not at all. Go look at my early shit. Go listen to my listen to my first ever podcast I did. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And I mean, you know, this one's a little better, but it's still we're refining a craft. We're working like every day. This, this isn't this isn't luck. This is just this is just work. Um, it is a learned skill, and when you start out and you don't have that confidence, the biggest the biggest advice I can give is just do it, just push it, and it's a cumulative knowledge building process. You come up and one step builds the foundation, builds the next step, builds the next step, and over time, you know, four or five years into it, you're pretty good. But man, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. All right. I have trespassed on your time too much today, sir. It's time to get this podcast and wrap it up. So I've got two more questions for you. Yes. Um, the number one of the two is if you could go back in time and talk to a younger version of Ruben, what's one piece of business advice that you would give him? You know, I was I was thinking about this yesterday. I think the, the only thing that I would actually tell myself is to do the hard thing that I didn't want to do and stop messing around. Cause there was a lot of times where I would just be upset at, at my boss during this old work, you know, that mm-hmm. I was doing yeah. where I would be staring at a computer doing nothing. Yeah. Right. And I, I believe that those are the moments that right now I'm struggling with the most where I'm just like, I still need to pick up the phone. I don't have the discipline. Um, and I, I do well, but not to the standard by which I hold myself. So I think a lot of the times when you say, what would I go back and do different it's like I would I would take this thing that I'm not happy with right now that I knew I could have fixed back then. So for me, it's absolutely that. It's I I, I wasted too much time knowing that I should have done something. Uh-huh. And um, there's not, I mean I, all I can do right now is to to try to fix that. But if I would have fixed that back then, damn. Dude, you got to eat the frog. Like yeah. if there's one thing you don't want to do or two things, you put them on that critical task list. You get them knocked out in the morning and it's done. Like I put my lead follow up calls. <laughs> they 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 go on my calendar um between 10:30 and lunchtime every day like yeah. and and some days I've got four or five to follow up on some days I've got 15 to follow up on but I get it done before lunch because the last thing I like doing is calling and following up with leads um I like closing leads <laughs> I like I like the outcome but if they don't have an appointment set and I'm just trying to track them down and be like, hey, man, what, what was it made you reach out to us today? Um, no, I don't particularly care for that. So I put it first. You eat the frog. You get the shitty tasks done first and it frees up the rest of your day for yourself. So uh, like Ruben said, man, no procrastinating. If there's something that you're putting off, go and get it done. All right, mate. I got one more question for you. All right. For everybody following online. Tell us where we can find you, where we can follow along with your journey and where we can see you all over social media. 
Yeah. Instagram's the best one for me. It's, um, I am Ruben Alvarez. Um, okay. but if you want to find a place where you can find everything about me, then it's my name, uh, rubenalvarez.com. Oh, wonderful. All right. Well, we'll toss those links up in the show notes for the fans guys. Uh, I want to throw out a huge thank you to Ruben for spending some time with us today and talking about some of the foundational things from marketing. And, uh, again, throw a big shout out to, uh, to his, his company there, the marketing hunters. You can find Find him at themarketinghunters.com or, like he said, at rubenalvarez.com. Ruben, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Do me a favor. Snapshot this. Screenshot it. Whatever you say. Whatever you kids are doing these days. Share it on Instagram. Uh, tag me at smallbusinesssurgeon. Tag Ruben. We'll throw his uh, stuff up there in the show notes. If you've gotten any value out of today's show, share it out there. Let other people find it. Let them discover it. And if you're feeling really nice, run on over to iTunes and uh, leave us a review. They are sincerely appreciated. All right. That's it from us for today. We will be back on Friday for this week's episode of Friday. Fire. You'll stay safe. Have a great week. I will see you on Friday. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.